It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you it is a baby girl in the place to be. It's me, Kalechi. And you're listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. And I'm back. I'm back against all odds. What's that song? Mariah Carey. How can I just say you? Why was West Side? Is it West Side or Boyzo? It's a West Side that was on that song. Is it West Life? Sorry, West Life. <laughs> West Side. Look at my life. Um, they were on that song with her, innit? Anyway, um, I'm recording this in a very random way because I went to the my office last night to record the podcast. Why was none, or is it why was? Why were none of the sockets in my uh, office? None of them were working, so I couldn't switch on my podcasting deck. I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. I could not, and I was just like, you know what, spirit ancestors all of you people them you got jokes but me let me tell you I feel like there's a level of spiritual growth in it because in any other situation I would have been wiling out like what the hell is going on I just dropped a young message to the building management um, team to be like I don't know what you've got going on but if you think that I'm going to be charged for this (laughs) you've got another thing coming and just took myself home I was just like I'll you know what I'll just record today at some point because it'll still be out on a Monday but in this life you can't come and kill yourself you know like I'm not stressing in any regard it is what it is like oh um I was saying last night on my close friends thing that um the south node is about to cross my moon and there was this sense of like oh a bit of panic and I was just like you know what I'm still here I'm still here so whatever the things are you just figure them out honestly it's this life you know get double you know there's there's no double to this life in it but one life as you know it in this particular existence you've got to do what you need to do anyway let me not talk too much because i need to record this and then go and be on somebody else's podcast what happened last week last week i went to uh, i was at a baby shower that was very very cute this week I'm going to be a guest on somebody else's podcast, so I need to record this nice and quick. But I have a brilliant interview for you uh, between myself and Jessica Wilson. Um, so that um, she's the author of "It's Always Been Ours," where she's talking um, in the book about really, really interesting dynamics about diet culture and its um, roots in white supremacy. So yeah, I think that that's, you're going to really, really enjoy that. I think that that will help a lot of people. Um, in terms of books, I was very excited to be part of the Orion Showcase 2023. Your Baby Girl is one of the star stories of uh, 2023 in terms of the uh, lead titles that are coming out. So Orion is like the parent, is it like the parent publisher? I don't know. Because I'm um, releasing this book or publishing this book under trapeze. So it's just amazing to have uh, the ally, the allyship, Edge of Here, my collection of short stories as one of the titles that they're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is big. This is it. This is it. R.I.P. Michael. Anyway, 
it was really exciting to be at the showcase, hear of other people's books. It was really funny to be sat next to Peter Andre. I tried my hardest and I succeeded, but I just wanted to go, whoa, 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 mysterious girl. I want to get close to you. But I didn't. I held it down. Um, but yes, yeah, really exciting. So it, the people got a sampler uh, of the short story collection. They got one of the stories, the complete uh one complete story, which is the ally chip that I'm excited about. I just see the ally chip doing big things. I know that the people who came to the live show, they got a, an excerpt from the ally chip. So I guess in a way the ally chip has become like my lead story in the collection, which is cool because, you know, it's one story and it links to other stories within the uh, collection. But I think that for the conversations that we're having around um, human rights and artificial intelligence um, and tech generally, I think it's a good space um, to be in. I think it's a good space to be in. So I'm I'm happy with that. Anyway, let me not talk too much because I still need to get ready. Um, I mean, I won't be serving a cute look. Look, I honestly... I know that you lot gas me up sometimes and you're like, Kalechi, I thought you said you only have, you, you only had five peng looks, um, you know, your, your, your quota. I feel like I've got less this year. I feel like I've got less. I don't know. It's just like, things need to align. Like I need to have a makeup artist on deck for me to be able to deliver the deliverances of the looks that I want to look. I need a makeup artist on deck. I need a hairstylist on deck. Then, then the streets will be lined with bodies on bodies on bodies on bodies because I'm taking everybody out. But I don't have that. So you're just going to have to take small, small looks where you can get it. But um, that's by the by. I now have two iPhones. I'm very glad about that because my like my my line, my businessy line was an Android and it was so frustrating. Um, I mean, it was all right, but yeah, I prefer that now I've just got two iPhones, but it just feels weird to alternate from one to the other. Um, but I hope you're well. I hope you're well. I hope you're looking after yourself, dear listener. Um, loving that for you. I've just come back uh, yesterday as well. I just got back. Maybe that's why I wasn't vexed. Look at me just rambling on. Maybe yesterday, that's why I wasn't vexed when the power sockets weren't working because I just got gotten back from a weekend at Soho Farmhouse. Let me tell you something between me and you. Yeah. Oyimbo people, Oyimbo people, as in white people, they know how to enjoy. Don't fucking get it twisted. Them lot know how to enjoy, you know, it's us that's like, oh, you know, struggle is a part of how we develop as people. Struggle is this struggle is that. Meanwhile, them man, they're like struggle waiting. You do the struggling. I'm going to do the living. Soho Farmhouse, I chopped life. I chopped life. And I'm saying that I, that I chopped life as somebody who's very introverted. And I went there on my own. It was just a solo trip. Um, and I stayed in one of their rooms called Piglet. It's like a little studio situation. Um, very, very cute. They look like little, they're, they're essentially they're little cabins, aren't they? A massive farmhouse in Oxfordshire. Um, and you have to be a Soho house member, I believe to book. Um, I think so. And yeah, it was very cute. It was very, very cute. Like my room was, I, let me not, not, let me not lie to you. Yeah. I spent basically all of Saturday sleeping and chatting on the phone. 
I didn't actually venture out. And again, it was maybe that aspect of me, that introverted thing, like, oh, I'm going to venture out to the main area and there's just going to be bare people, uh, bare white people in barber jackets and hunter boots. And I'm not trying to do a whole get out situation. Oh, maybe that's another story. You know, this, this wannabe bougie bitch. Yeah. Not bitch in that way. Like I'm being derogatory, but go with me. A bougie babe. Um, wants to go to this exclusive farmhouse uh, and have this vibe. Uh, maybe she's an influenza, like she's an influenza and she wants to like do, do content or whatever. And she goes and she doesn't invite her friends because maybe they, they don't have the money to join her or whatever, whatever. Or maybe she got gifted it. I don't know. Stay with me. She goes to go and create, create her content, not realizing that the only reason that she's been invited is because they want to use her as human sacrifice at this um, place. Um, that's so sinister, isn't it? Oh my God, that's so sinister. You lot can have that. One of you can have that. You can have that as a plot line. I've got so many. There's so much, there's so much more that I can give. I have something, something, something. If you don't have plot lines, I think that that would be cute. So I feel like maybe that's what it was. I was just like, why do I need to venture out into this get out situation? And honestly, I just needed sleep. I just needed sleep. So on the Sunday is now when I started going around, I went to the sauna. I really liked their outdoor swimming pool that it was so picturesque, like the lake, the little, like little pond or whatever, whatever I had frozen and the, um, outdoor swimming pool that's heated, that was next to it was just looking sublime. And I, and I really loved that. Um, I definitely want to go back and I want to go back with people this time. Cause I think that maybe that's another vibe to be able to like, everybody have dinner together and this and that, that would be really cute. But there was a level of relaxation I got from just sleeping as much as I wanted to sleep that allowed me to come back. And so when I wanted to now record the podcast and then all the sockets were out in my office, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> it is what it is. I'm, I really have the flow with life. I really just have to. So those are my updates. Um, if you haven't ordered my short story collection, order it. Edge of Here. You can order it online um, I'm on Jeff Bezos's site or all the other good, good sites that you like to go on to order your books. They'll be, it will likely be there. And I'm very excited because when people are like, oh, I can't wait to buy this. What do you mean you can't wait to buy this? Can you be fucking serious? Can you be fucking for real and go and buy it now ahead of time? Because if you don't buy it ahead of time, if you are the reason that that book comes out and I can't do, oh my God, I'm a bestseller. I will find you personally and blog you. No, I won't. I don't really care. I'm just joking. It's what it is. I, I know that the book, regardless of what any, any accolades or whatever that it gets, I know that I've done an incredible job with that short story collection and I can't wait for people to be able to read it. And I say, I've done an incredible job. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Editors. Editors do not get enough credit, yo. Because the way that I will just be writing like a writer, and then Sarita, who's my editor, will be like, "Yeah, so how can we make this more succinct? Or what? What? Where does this link with that?" And you're like, "Ah, okay, sure, cool." Um, so it's a beautiful collaborative process, and I pray that if any of you are on that journey of writing or whatever that you are, you know, partnered with an editor that gets you, that gets your vision and that is very, um, cool to work with. And, um, they know how to deliver, uh, feedback, um, like somebody that has sense and somebody who didn't have ancestors that were cursed. 
So that's what I pray for you all because it is a joy to have. Anyway, tarot, let's get into the tarot for this week. Um, who did I choose? Tell me if you want me to give you all my time. I'm good for you. You blow my mind. Promise, boy, that I'll be true. Sorry. Sometimes I just um, I get carried away, honestly. I just get carried away. Um, what was I, what else was I going to say? This is will probably come up in the tarot anyway, so I don't need to say it, but I need you all for somebody who needs this message. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you need to believe in your own source. Let me tell you, you need to believe in your own source and you need to be very, very careful about the people that you have around you and understand that sometimes people will tell you how they feel about you without even realizing. Keep your wits about you, especially with this North Node, South Node Higgy that we've got going on. People will just tell on themselves as it pertains to you and you need to listen out. Don't doubt it and be like, oh, maybe they didn't mean that. No, they meant what they said. And so pay attention because you're being given signs everywhere. And it's important for you to believe in your source because people who don't understand your journey and how you're moving, um, they'll project onto you and say all manner of things like you have to remember your own magic and don't let yourself get swept up in other people's doubts because they're not really doubts about you. These are doubts that they have about themselves. Um, and that can't come and be your wahala. Like how are you going to be carrying somebody else's load on your head for how they feel? It's long. Anyway, this is the tarot uh, question that I chose for this week. Dear Kalechi, I hope you and your family are well and having a restful holiday season. I'm writing this email to kindly request for a tarot reading. I've been reflecting on this past year and all that occurred. 2022 was a transitional year for me. It felt like the closing of a chapter of my life that began 10 years ago. I moved back home to Nigeria in May after being gone for so long and started a new job. The decision to move back home was scary. I certainly questioned whether I was making the right decision, especially with so many of my friends and some family members expressing their skepticism. After all, most people are looking for a way to Japa. Yeah, they are. Anyway, I am happy to say that I made the right decision. I am much happier here, despite the fuckery from the government. As I look forward to 2023, I was wondering if you and Spirit could provide any insights as to what to expect in the new year. I would also like to know if I will ever find love. I've never been in a relationship before and I'm turning 27 in a few months. While being in a relationship is not something I think about all the time because I know that there is so much I can um, I can accomplish on my own, I wonder if I'll ever get to uh, experience the comfort, tenderness and security that romantic relationships can provide. My human design type is a manifesting generator and I'm a Pisces sun, Aquarius moon and Taurus rising. I have attached the rest of my birth chart to, uh, to this email. Thank you for taking the time to read this email. I'm rooting for you always. Love and light to you and yours. Signed, a baby girl. Thank you so much, baby girl. Let's get into it. Now, let's see. What have we got in store? First thing I will say to you um, is that, not even from a weirdo perspective, right? Ooh. <laughs> the first card that came out for you is hilarious, but I'll wait to tell you that. Um some people are in partnerships, they're in um, these situations and they aren't ex um, experiencing that tenderness, the comfort and security that you speak of because that's a whole journey. But I understand that that's what you want of the partnership that you enter into. Um, it's I'm just trying to make 
that distinction because some people just want a partnership, but it's um, and think that it will automatically come with these things. And it's just like, no, it has to be the right partnership for it to come with these things. Do you see it? Um, and you're 27. Omar, relax. Relax. You haven't even, wait, what is it? So you are, um, I think you're Saturn in Pisces, if I'm not mistaken. You are Saturn. Where's your Saturn, baby? Um, yeah, you're a Saturn in Pisces. So you haven't even started your Saturn return yet. There is you know, like, let your first Saturn return happen where we can have a look at all the lessons that you've learned over the past 28 or so years before we know what's happening next. Let me tell you something. And I'm not even trying to, I've said, let me tell you something. No, you know what? That's the title of this episode. Let me tell you something, but truly baby girl, let me tell you something. There are people who are about to turn 60 in a, in a few years who are still searching for love. I'm not saying that that's your own portion, no, but I'm saying that if you do not take the lessons that come from your first Saturn return and you're not willing to do the work, the introspection, the, the rigorous kind of in, um, introspective, um, I don't know, assignments, the shadow work, your second Saturn return around the age of 60 will meet you there in the same space baby. And so all I feel like before I even pull too many cards, all you're being asked to do is look at what is the lesson? What are the themes that are coming up that are coming up for me right now? What do I need to know from this? And then you move from there. Like that's what is very important for you right now. And when Saturn goes into Pisces, it will go into your 11th house. Um, of groups and um, hopes and wishes and and it's very tightly conjunct your let me see yeah it's very tightly conjunct not to very tightly with within yeah it is very tightly 25 degrees 27 degrees it's very tightly conjunct your sun and um not so tightly your mars but there is by the time pisces leaves your sign um and it's going to make you or it's going to encourage you to look at how you view yourself and also how that relates to the other people that you're around. And on top of that, you are a Taurus rising. So I feel like before the nodes change, because currently we've got North node, Taurus, South node, Scorpio, right? That's what we've currently got. I have a feeling that before the nodes change and move, move along, that you are going to yeah, I have a feeling that you are going to meet somebody. Um, even if it's not something it's, you know, when we're looking at the nodes, we're looking at destiny, we're looking at fate so that, that they come with a lesson. So I'm not saying that that is the one, but I'm saying that somebody will arrive that will really get you to start doing the work that's necessary for you to have the relationship, um, that you desire. Um, you know, going forward, you know, they might hang around and it, but if they don't, they brought a lesson because you're going to need that lesson later on. So it's just good to bear that in mind. Um, so let's see what other cards you've got. So the first card you actually got from when I started talking, you got seven of pentacles and the image is a, um, a person, a woman, in this situation, we're trying, watching, waiting, waiting for her plants to go grow, waiting for her pentacles to grow. And then the next card you got is the two of pentacles. Um, and then you've got the ace of wands in reverse. 
and you've got the judgment card here. Yeah, and like I said, there's a king of swords in reverse at the bottom of the deck. So somebody's on their way. And I'm not even saying that to gas you up. Somebody's literally on their way because you've got your north node in, um, you've got your north node conjunct. Uh, sorry, you've got the north node conjunct your rising sign, your first house, which is Taurus. So a lot of things. And you've also, oh, baby. So your Venus is even in Taurus. So your Venus is in Taurus in your first house. So the north node touching on that, transiting that means that, yeah, rightly so. You've started to think about love, partnership, um, intimacy. You've started to think about all of those things and, and you love from a very um, practical space, which is why I think that we've got the pentacles that came up, both, you know, both of the cards initially were pentacles, which represents earth energy. And I think that that comes up because of um, your seventh house is therefore Scorpio. So you've got to give yourself a bit of time because your seventh house being Scorpio means that there, there are, there are lessons. Scorpio brings about some very kind of like tough lessons. Um, and everything that's happening right now is, is preparing you for the things that you want basically. And I feel like that's a good thing, especially with Venus there in your rising and the North node transiting your Venus. You, there is somebody that you'll meet if you haven't already met them um, before, you know, in the space of time of you sending this email um, to me. I, maybe you're going to meet them in a work capacity is what's coming to me as well. But you're being asked to exercise patience because there's going to be plenty of options. There's going to be plenty of things to consider. And also when Jupiter goes into Taurus, baby, you'll have, you'll be fighting the cocky off. I mean, why am I, am I even, I might even be projecting. I don't even think you said the kind of person that you're into, but you'll be fighting off the genitalia, Sha. you know, the non-gender specific genitalia, you'll be fighting the people them off. Okay. Um, and there'll be options. This is what you're being told because when Jupiter, so basically Jupiter is in my first house, right. Um, currently in Aries and yeah, like when I was reading up about what that transit means and it's like, oh, you'll have these options, you'll have numerous options. I'm like, options, everyone better stay away from me because I'll karate chop you in the throat, don't play. Um, but then you realise that almost out of the blue, people just start popping up and you've got to be the ones to kind of be like, nah, sorry, nah, sorry, nah, sorry. So everybody's been getting nah, sorry. Like it is what it is, but that's what you're going to be, um, that's what's going to be kind of, um, offer to you options. So hold on. That's what you're being told to hold on seven of pentacles because options are coming, but ace of wands in reverse, you need to have your wits around you. You need to have your wits around you and you can't be dejected and think, oh, nothing's going to happen for me. You've got to say, especially you've got to be careful with them Niger people there. If, if it's men that you're interested in, be careful of those Niger men. All right. And so really have your wits about you. I'm not saying that all Nigerian men are terrible. So please shut up, shut up. Um, and you've also, the major arcana card that you've got here is the judgment card, which makes sense because we know that Saturn is about to enter your 11th house. Like you're really going to have to reevaluate the people that you have around you and what, the, and how that impacts your self-esteem, that how that impacts um, your opportunities. That's going to come out as well. Um, 
the card that comes out for you from the Dickhead and Recovery Affirmation card deck is, it is from my overflow of pengness that I am able to pour into the lives of those around me. And that is so important. Like, you're a painting. I can tell from your email, the way that the email is written, I can tell that you're buff. So live in that truth and operate from that space. Because when Jupiter enters, enters your first house, that you are, you are, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. There's no time to be doubting yourself about, but am I cute? Am I this? Am I that? You're cute. And make don't let people neg you. That's I feel like that's a strong message that's coming out for you. Do not let people neg you. Do not let any person come along and try to humble you because there's nothing to humble. You're great. Do not let anybody try to humble you about, oh yeah, you're great at this, but I don't really think that you're shut up. Shut up. And then some people might try and use reverse psychology on you and be like, yeah, I don't think that, you know, I think that you're this and that, and I think you're great, but I don't think you're for me because they want you to be like, oh, but. If I'm great in all of these regards, then how am I, what do you mean? And they want you to, they want you to then be the one that ends up starting the chase. Don't fall for it. Chill out, chill out. Everything is happening as it should for you, especially because you're a Taurus rising. Stand firm in that, stand firm in that. And if you've maybe dated someone recently and then all of a sudden it just abruptly ended. That's because the South Node is in your seventh house, Scorpio. Um, and so things are being cleared out that actually aren't for you. It's almost like an accelerated reaction. You know, sometimes the reactions are delayed and it's like, oh, you date them for a few months before you realize this, that, this, that. You're not really getting that option here. It's, it is just what it is. Everything's moving at a breakneck speed and you've got to go with it. But you are being told to exercise patience like you're 27. Omo, take it easy. So that's your reading. I pray that it resonates with you and I will big up this week's show sponsors who are Dipsy and then we'll get to share your magnificence. Baby, would you mind touching me? Yo, Janet Jackson snapped on that tune. Absolutely snapped. Anyway, finish this sentence in your mind, of course. I deserve a sex life that is what? What comes to mind? You can't be afraid to say it because whatever it is, that is what you deserve. And Dipsy can help you get there in new and sexy ways. And that's why this podcast is sponsored by Dipsy. This new year, you deserve to feel your best, you know, rest when you need to rest and say yes to the things that you need to say yes. Like you need to live your life. Dipsy is basically an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life in immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings and hot and heavy hookups. It's very, very inclusive at um, Dipsy. Dipsy has uh, stories for straight and queer listeners and 56% of their stories um, are voice acted by people of colour. So let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner if you're feeling freaky. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash straws. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash straws. So you get 30 days of full access for free. And when you go to dipsystories.com slash straws. So go and get your sexy on. And uh, yeah, let's get to share your magnificence. 
So this week on Share Your Magnificence, I'm speaking with the brilliant Jessica Wilson. And Jessica is the author of um, It's Always Been Ours, uh, which is about reclaiming the story of Black women's bodies. And from Jessica's perspective, for too long, Black women have been left out of discussions about body image, food, health and wellness. Um, And in 2020, the murder of Black people by the police in the United States and a global pandemic did what no Black clinician um, had yet been able to do, which is bring Black existence into conversations about food and bodies. It took horrific events for Black lives to matter in eating, um, you know, in wellness, in all of these different areas. And that's when Jessica Wilson's, you know, her skill set came in. So by bringing the bodies of Black women to centre stage, Jessica asks us to reimagine the ways we think about and discuss our bodies. It's always been ours, pushes back against some of the unhealthy ideas within the wellness movement. And it basically, you know, from what I've been reading of um, the book so far, it's just great in how it kind of brings stories of the clients, friends, celebrities, et cetera. It kind of brings it all into one and shows you how people are fixated on thinness and how that, um, how that negatively impacts black women um, and how we exist in our bodies and essentially just harms us all. So yeah, I'll let you listen to that. And I hope that you enjoy it. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Doing incredible, incredible work. I was, um, as you do when you're preparing for episodes such as like this one, I'll be, I'm, you know, looking through your feed, reading articles, reading this, reading that. Clearly also, of course, reading your book. It's always been ours. Ours. It's always ours by ours. How do you say ours? And over here, I say ours. Yeah. Ours. Yeah. Because yeah, like the time. They ours. Ours. It's always been ours. So- yes. It doesn't flow so as well for happens. this. Yeah, you know, it just, it comes off hours. So, you know. So in case you get interviewed by an East Londoner, they might say to you, it's always been ours. So that's. <laughs> that's I like that. Ours. Yeah. Okay. I'll practice. In case you need to like code switch when you're speaking to the East Londoners. Excellent. That's the title of your book. Yeah. Okay. So thank you. Because I was looking through your, um, amazing work and it's really fascinating to me the you know like the expanse of white supremacy like you think that you mm. know, <laughs> think you know and then you're like mm-hmm. oh even there even oh, there oh yes even there but why wouldn't it be there because it's our bodies it's, it's exactly. literally and this is where we are so um in your kind of journey as a dietitian and um as this incredible person and and bringing forth these um thoughts and insights that you share with us what was that journey like for you where you were like oh there is a correlation here and it is not spicy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the whole process was really looking at my clients who had eating disorders and didn't fit the like thin white women, you know, fragile norms and like wondering what was happening here, both in the medical system where they weren't being seen and, you know, treated and diagnosed, but also in care because so often the, you know, response or the solution is to love your body or like, 
you know, know that your body is fine just the way you are in society. And for so many people, you know, like I might feel fine about my body and I need to leave the house. And like when that happens, how I, I feel about my body just doesn't, you know, matter. And so all of the things that I was doing as a dietitian just really fell flat for a lot of people. And I needed to figure out why. So mm-hmm. white supremacy and then <laughs> what to do about it. And so in that regard, because I find that it's similar with, you know, when we're looking at aspects of like psychotherapy as well, Mm. the model that you've been presented with is inherently flawed because Mm -hmm. it's been informed, crafted, shaped by um, white supremacist ideological premises. And Mm -hmm. so how does one operate outside of those paradigms? Because then for you to, you know, qualify, you have to stick to the things, but then you get out of the world and you're like, oh, these tools are blunt. <laughs> right. Do nothing. Mm-hmm. At all. And, and what you're trying to fix, you know, is a, a system and you're talking to an individual about what they need to do differently. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the individual, you know, a client sitting in front of you, I guess maybe, you know, I'm thinking about if I sat in front of somebody and they were, and I, they were helping me in this way. And they've told me that actually it's not you, it's white supremacy. And mm-hmm why this is this this is that but mm-hmm. then I'm like yeah but I'm still in this body right it's this world uh-huh what do I do right are you asking me yes, <laughs> <An interview>? yes. <laughs> uh, solve this I can solve it don't worry no uh the first thing that I recommend that is often really hard is to find community of people who are experiencing the same thing so you're not alone and it's also not in a vacuum so it's not just your dietitian who's like hey it's these systemic reasons that you feel like garbage and society treats you as garbage but how can we get you connected to people who are experiencing the same things who are feeling the same way um and I find that really helps to just not be alone because there's nothing today we can do to change things, but you don't have to be alone in what you're experiencing. Yeah. I I think that then you have layers on top of that as well. I I definitely found that with, um, you know, dealing with childhood trauma and how I related to my body, objectifying Mm -hmm. all of those things growing up. And, you know, people would perceive me um, because it was so important when um, you talked about, um, it's not just about thinness. It's mm-hmm. about almost the protection that you know that white supremacy affords. You don't want to be standing out like a sore thumb because right. then you become a target. So it's not just about or only about or even about wanting mm-hmm. to be it's that fam. I just don't want to get killed. I don't want to be right. attacked. I don't want to be, I don't want to be abused. I don't want any of that. Because mm-hmm. I think about that with my journey with my body throughout the years where because of the experiences I had as a child, people would see me and be like, wow, you're so fast. You're so healthy. You're so strong. Not mm-hmm. understanding that my, it was about what was driving me. It was about my motivation where mm-hmm. I w- it wasn't necessarily seeking thinness. No, it was the strength. It was the speed. It was the agility because I was like, nobody should ever be able to violate me in that way. again. Mm-hmm. I get stronger, faster, mm-hmm this, that, this, that, then mm-hmm. I am saying, because I can protect myself because ultimately what I was saying was I was unprotected. Right. And so, it's, yeah. It's a safety and survival. You mentioned not being a target, but yes. Mm. Microphone. Um, I like to talk about it similarly to what you did. There's so much safety and survival to be gained and like how we are conforming our bodies both indeed for that. Yeah. Safety, but also to fit white norms when, you know, everything is telling us that our bodies are wrong. 
Yeah. And we yeah. see how the mean ways that people are treated when they are their bodies are deemed to be quote unquote wrong or perceived to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that and nobody wants to be on the receiving end of that. No. no. Because I don't know what Lizzo has done to upset people. Like Lizzo, <laughs> right. Lizzo will be minding her business. Lizzo will be facing her front and there are people uh-huh. who are raging. I, that's like, right. What did she do? At what point did she slap your mom? At what point? What <laughs> At what point? Yes. Because the vitriol doesn't match up to whatever the thing seems to be. And it's like, no, you have a problem with the body that Lizzo inhabits. Right. Yeah. And- it's more of a, a reflection, yes, of the person who is doing the hating and not Lizzo herself. No, no. And, you know, that comes in many regards. I think that even in terms of like femme present and people, all of that, it's like you're being asked to. There is an element I feel like as well about desirability in a patriarchal system mm-hmm. where if I don't desire you, you have no value. So these are the paradigms of what we see as desirable Mm -hmm. and you exist within it. And so people are scared, I guess, to not be desirable in a particular way because they don't, again, they want to survive. Right. And desirability politics is something that we like to shy away from, like as a reality that, you know, it's not about what you look like, really. It's about, you know, your character and who you are as a person. But that's a lie. Um, <laughs> you know, like that is actually a lie. Like how we look uh, and how we're perceived says so much about how we're how we're treated. You're so right. Desirability politics are real. Yeah. And in terms of your journey with writing this book, because huh, book writing is hard. Yes. <laughs> how has that been for you? The discoveries that you've made along the way, possibly things that you weren't even really thinking about at the beginning that you're like, oh, this is a point, actually. Yeah, I ended up writing a lot of it into the book, um, especially the resilience chapter. I had to do a lot of reflection. Actually, I wasn't even doing or trying to do the reflection. I was just writing regular experiences into the book and then rereading them being like, oh, oh, that that would be hard. If somebody else was telling me that, I would say that's really hard. And it's like, it happened to me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So... Yeah, uh, a lot of that, like all of the ways that I have like performed resilience and all of the things that I've done um, in order to just not be too much in the workplace, in order to, you know, be smaller. Um, but also at the same time, trying to navigate like advocating for my clients and like what, how can I make myself more palatable when I'm trying to, you know, go up against systems? So a lot of that. And then, yeah, just, looking at the deeper ways that Black women in my life, Black folks in general, um, are impacted by the systems in ways that I just hadn't really been clear about. And so it's really made me easier easier to talk about these things in a more concise way rather than like, society is trash. What are we doing about it? But like, this is why. And sometimes I think about fear because I like to think about fear and I like to think about love because I think Mm -hmm. that they they have an interesting relationship. Um, what do you have any fears about this subject and what it means? Like I don't know, backlash. This that like. Do you have any fears about approaching it? Definitely. Um, I mean, the general stuff you may or may not experience the haters online already, um, but the people who 
will just have their own reactions, be it, you know, white women who are, you know, concerned that I'm centering black women all of a sudden, and perhaps they may feel implicated. And yes, in the ways that we have been ignoring black women's bodies, um, but also the people who are having their own reactions, black women, specifically black folks who have not done the work. I've seen people push back um, and saying that it's okay to be a large, like that I'm like promoting being larger, that I'm, you know, promoting people being unhealthy, um, which is feedback that I've gotten already. Um, But then people who are being triggered by me saying, you know, your body is fine. Your eating is the way that you're eating is fine. Um, And getting people being very upset at that. And, but I'm so thankful for you that you do do that because who doesn't have that running narrative in their mind? Like I, I've really started to pay attention to the conversations that people have around, mm. you know, reading, um, it's always been ours, like reading, like you pay attention to the conversations and I mm. realize just how much we police ourselves like, yeah. oh, but no, cause I ate that yesterday. So I can't really have this today uh-huh. I, embedded in so much of our conversation. Absolutely. And yeah, I use my dad as an example who has just never been told these things. And it's just wild to watch him eat whatever, you know, today and then tomorrow forget entirely and just go about his life Uh, versus like we're not told we're told to like take stock not only of yesterday, but of the previous meal. We're so, you know, supposed to plan ahead if we're going out for dinner or whatever it is, you know, we think about what we're eating beforehand and like prep for all of those things. So yes, it's incessant and we don't even realize that it's happening. It's so, it's so draining. Um, hearing people say to me, sometimes I'll go out for a meal with maybe a new sort of friend, you know, like you're making new friends who apparently Drake said no new ones, but I'm going to try <laughs> So, you know, ow. And then I often, not often, but I've a couple of times I've had, wow, I didn't think you'd eat that. Just like with how, mm. much, you know, with how much you train in your physique. I just didn't think that you'd eat that. Like, wow. What did you think I ate? What? So, right. so did you want to just see me in um, South of Suffolk Park, just eating the grass in the, fi- like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, is that the, the assumption? Like, what you, what did you think that I would eat? Like, and why are we, have we made a judgment call? Have we made a morality call on what the food is? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Is it highbrow? What did you, I've always found that interesting. I was like, yeah, I eat what I want. Mm-hmm. What I want. End of story. But I've traveled, I've come, come a long way from, I eat what I want because at the end of the day, I train so much that it's fine. I had to actually take away that whole paragraph. Yeah after it because right. I actually when I looked at it it was like I'm trying to justify to you mm-hmm. why I'm doing what the hell I want to do right but we do it we 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 do that in conversation we do that in life in so many ways right like we're always justifying you know our choices when we feel that they're outside of the norm or quote-unquote wrong like we come up with a whole narrative about why it's okay to be doing the things that we're doing yeah yeah. And I, yeah. I really had to check myself. Like, even if I didn't train, because, you know, then, then you see the cycle because then I've said this to this person and then there'll be a day, maybe I don't feel like training or I can't train. And I'm like, oh, well, I can't eat that then because, you know, I'm not going to. So it's the way that you end up being complicit in your own oppression and in your own kind yeah. of thing. Like, and so what is life then? Why can't I just live life? 
yeah, why can't I just be? Yeah. That's yeah. that's the question. Mm-hmm. And just existing in a body, I just, yeah. it's hard. And you wrote that, like, it's, it's hard. It's that part, right? It is already very hard, especially for Black folks to exist under white supremacy and colonialism. Like, why... Why are we making it harder? And like the answer, of course, is like to survive. But also, like, where can we find like some ease in the ways that we're talking about our own bodies and the things that we're saying to ourselves? What's been hard for me was, um, I think I was even going to talk about it earlier, but sometimes my wit, my mind does random things, and I'll go off tangents. So I have to like mm-hmm. look through my notes. But um, motherhood, motherhood, mm. and you know already dealing with this whole journey of objectifying myself and my body and the way that I train to be a particular way and working through that in therapy, then boom, pregnancy comes along. Um, and then you, then you really feel like you have no control over what your body is doing. And then Mm -hmm. that was a real experience for me, very, very challenging experience. But then in, even after that, the way that your body's changed is something that's a whole other journey as well, but you're being bombarded with snapback culture. Oh my God, look at this person, look at Uh this person. And people constantly saying to me like, oh, you have a child. Oh my God, I wouldn't have been able to tell, girl. For real, be for real. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, while while that is seen as a compliment, what does... What do, what do you, what are we saying? What, what? Right. What does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What's underneath that? Why? Well, first of all, why are you commenting on my body? Cause that's just weird. Like, <laughs> can we just not do that? But also, yeah. What does it mean to look like a mother? Like, why are we, yeah. Why are we deciding based on the way that you are standing in front of me and what I can see of your body right now that you look like a mother or you don't like, that's also weird. What are we doing? Oh, we, yeah, that, you know, and snapback culture is also that other thing that I'm fascinated by because I feel like there are so many layers to peel away. And I think that mm-hmm. where I've currently gotten to in my understanding mm-hmm. about this idea that we are essentially seen as workers under a white supremacist capitalist system, right? Yes. So the sooner that you've produced a new worker, you need to snap back and you get back. Mm. Work. Wow. So- that's good. That's deep. Say it again for the people in the back. They may not have heard it the first time. That's good. But it's, these are things that I'm just clocking that mm-hmm. it's about our productivity. Yeah. When our bodies are asked to be a particular way. And this, again, that's a fallacy because it's like you were saying essentially that any other body type is not functional. That cannot be functional and um, functional. Like, but why is that something that we're praising in that regard? We're only talking about functionality um, mm-hmm. as, as it pertains to productivity, not functionality of you just living your life, laying down in a field, looking yeah. at clouds. No, it's about how much money can you make for the system? Right. No, that's great. I, that's a great context for that. And yes, I really think about it like Black women in labor as well and how we're so valued for both you know productivity, but like historically labor and what we've done for white societies and like the pressures like yeah to labor to perform to be productive that's so true and rest I think that's probably one of the biggest things that came to kind of like my you know my the forefront of my consciousness during lockdown was rest how Mm. scared I am to rest how I'm how not used to I'm just not used to it what what do you do as a black woman when you're not 
mm-hmm. working when you're not being useful. Right. Where's your value if you're not, yes, laboring, working, producing? Yes. Yeah. Because so much of our existence is, yes, wrapped and tied in what we give to white society yeah. and what they take. And it's, it's a lot. So for you, you found that unearthing a lot of things that came to your consciousness was part of the journey of the book. Um, and that was fear. But in terms of love, what, what's that? What, what drives that? I noticed the dedication at the beginning of the book, but what, what drives that? Because I think that anything that we create really we're creating it. We, the only way that we can create is from source. And I believe that source is love. So what drove that? Like from the, I should write something to mm. I am writing. Mm-hmm. I, you mentioned earlier, like what I had to face and fear. And I'm not, are you in the UK familiar with respectability politics? Are we? They're trying to beat, <laughs> beat me over the head with it constantly. Collection okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's one thing um, that, I had to face deep within me because, you know, I say that I'm here for all black women. um, But, you know, there is stuff that's ingrained in me about what it means, like the right ways to act as, you know, black women. And so that is something that both I needed to face and realize, you know, that I am here for all black women. But like then that place of love, like I see you and, you know, the way you are. And I love the way that you are being in this world. So the reverence and love for all Black women at the same time, like coming to terms with the ways that I've been, you know, trained in what a Black woman should be. That's so honest. I think it's beautiful. Probably the most beautiful thing I've heard today because it's holding ourselves to account. That's Mm -hmm. possibly our biggest challenge. And I think that that's kind of the journey I've been on with this podcast where I've had to face myself and be like, mm. oh, I thought I was for this, but actually I've only been for this in this regard because I don't, I've been trained to not like this thing. So, mm. you know, um, and I think that people think that, you know, to be for everybody or to, you know, to be for all black women or to try to stand for all black people and do all of that, that it means that you like everybody. <laughs> I don't have to like you. No. To want you to survive, to want you to thrive, not just survive. I don't have to like you to want for, for me to want for you to have a better life. In fact, I think if you had a better life, you wouldn't be such a dickhead. So that's why I, <laughs> right. that's why I might I like you. <laughs> but I yes. guess your life is not should not be kind of depending on me liking you. You should just be have a right to live. You should just exactly. have a right to peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's really when we start moving through um, towards the transformative justice that we want in the world. Mm. We are able to separate our personal indoctrinations and socializations and our deep rooted sort of fears and look at the larger picture, which is like, what do we all need and how do right. we care? Mm-hmm. Yes. And recognizing that we're all worthy of that question, not just those of us who, you know, play according to the rules yeah 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 and you so actually in terms of you asking we do have it here and I think that for a while I felt like that kind of very vocal angry black woman just standing sort mm. of alone and everyone's like oh she's so loud and you know she's so mm-hmm. angry like she shouts and now I think that 2020 sort of shifted that in certain ways where more people are realizing that they need to speak out however I would see them more as the old guard <laughs> though oh. that 
still very much do not want to upset white people, do not want to ups, um, upset the status quo, even mm-hmm. though that they know that they can't really shun me the way that they would before. Mm. They are still sort of like, yeah, just, you know, still sort of be over there, you know? Right. Um, but that's fine because again, we we are all in this together. So we all have to kind of pull our weight um, in one way or another. Um, so yeah, I'm, I appreciate that. I appreciate that transparency because it is a real journey and I'm still working through it. I'm always surprised by, you know, I read certain posts and I think, yeah, but you know, yeah. and it's that, yeah, but, and it's like, mm, what were you going to say? What, and why do you think it would negate the point that's just been made? Yes. That's a good one. Or like, why do you think their point would have been you know, better received if they had presented it, yes, in a different way or like worn something different while yeah. talking. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, ha- you having this book out in the world, bringing this book out into the world at the time that you've done it, when we're seeing, for instance, BBLs, you know, mm-hmm. changing their bodies, changing mm-hmm. this. And the conversation around that is that certain celebrities are doing these things because now they want to be accepted again into uh, white society. Right. Um, how have you viewed that? Initially, you know, a lo- and a lot of it continues to be like, why would you do this, um, Black women? Like, why would you play into like the Kardashian uh, standards of beauty? And, you know, we were talking about earlier, like the safety and survival to be gained by doing that. And so that was another place I used to judge people. Like, why can we not just be, you know, comfortable with ourselves and our bodies? But it's like, because it makes it a bit easier for some people to exist. Um, at the same time, it is also devastating. So, it, you know, holding both of those things has really been a part of this journey as well. Like I see, and I know why you're, you know, conforming your body and like, what is the conversation? How can we start it to resist and push back? Because, you know, the more we're having the conversation and being transparent about, you know, the reasons that this is white supremacy, not because, you know, your body is inherently better one way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that both comes with healing, but also community. And I think people start to listen when they hear these things over and over. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I feel like when you go on that journey of writing a book and doing, you know, doing the work that you, the kind of work that you've been doing, there is one truth. There is one kind of if we could distill everything to one sort of truth that you want out there, like you want someone to read this and they'll find a, you know, a myriad of things to take away from it, but you're hoping that this one thing that they get it, like, what would that be for you? One? There's just one thing. (laughs) No, I'm vacillating between two. And so this, I'm going to have to vote. I'm going to say it's, yeah, I'm going to say it's for black women to see themselves and their bodies and, you know, healthcare and the conversation in ways that they, that we have not done before and to recognize it's not their fault. Like the ways that you're feeling about yourself, the ways that you were treated, you know, is not on you. It's not on your body. Like it's, you are not the problem to be solved or fixed. Oof. Wow. I feel like that needs to be the title of this episode, even like, <laughs> Ooh, fixed. I like it. That's the title of the next book. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Yes. I like that. I like it. That's good. It's really good because it's so like staggeringly obvious 
yet profound because most things are the the, the, the things that we're looking for is just right there the whole time. Um, and it speaks to me so deeply because even even when we take it just outside of our bodies a little bit or inside our bodies, mm-hmm. a lot of this, you know, the work that we're doing, self-help, like, oh, you know, I'm working on myself, I'm doing this, my shadow self. Mm. You're not a problem. Yes. And I think sometimes myself included, some of us approach our lives and ourselves as if we are a problem to be like solved and to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but what would it be like if you shifted how you see yourself as a subject? Mm. The subject of self as mm-hmm. a problem, how would you then relate to that? Because then what happens is that I guess when you don't get the desired result, the, it's frustrating. Oh, right. And the problem is you, like you have not fixed you. You've not, you've not fixed you. It's like you, you're kind of like an Ikea table. You put the leg on the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep saying that. Keep going with that analogy. That's great. I want to hear more. (laughs) But if you see yourself as this IKEA table that needs to be fixed and put together or whatever, when you don't get it right, you're like, it was meant to look this way. Mm. Because I've been told that it's meant to look this way. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like that. You're frustrated. And I just think that you're not an IKEA table. Like you're not. Is that the next book also? Or is that the third book? That's the best thing. You're not an Ikea table. That's fantastic. <laughs> You're not, you know, like take it easy. So in that we've just had all of these book ideas. Like, I love that one, especially because the Ikea instructions are like visual, like you're seeing literally, which is so, you know, the same for bodies. So I, I think you're brilliant. This was amazing. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. This was absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. And I'll be giving the listeners all the details for how to make sure that they are reading and, and sharing widely, um, you know, purchasing this incredible book because it is just from this conversation alone. I think that is so representative of what the work that you're doing that, it, it's just really accessible language, really, really accessible ways of, um, you know, talking and relating that I think often is so is missed. And so people feel like the conversation is beyond them or above them. Mm. Like we're all part of this discourse because mm-hmm. our are, you know, interacting with each other all of the time. So we've got to. Right. So thank yeah. you for that. Oh, no, thank you. That's great to hear. I really appreciate that. So I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with myself and Jessica Wilson. Um, obviously, I'm there having saying hours and a- yours, my hours. Anyway, it's always been hours. Um, get involved with the book because I feel like a lot of people are trying to examine and um, think about, you know, and explore rather the ways that we interact with eating and things like that. Um, how we view food and why we view food in that way. Some people talk about food just being fuel. It's not about pleasure or you only um, only eat when you're hungry. These sorts of things, suddenly people are coming and um, they're pushing against that and saying, maybe, you know, that's not the case. So I'd love to hear what you think, because genuinely there are some subjects that I'm like, I don't know either way, you know, so I would love to hear your opinions and your thoughts on this um, because I don't think it's hard and fast. Um but, you know, I just enjoy the work and the insight that Jessica brings to the conversation. So definitely, definitely do if you if that's of interest to you, do look out um, for the book and get involved with the book. 
and get it for yourself, get it for, well, I was going to say, get it for someone that you think that might, um, you know, appreciate it, but maybe not, <laughs> maybe that's too touchy a thing to go and be getting random people. Cause they'll be like, what are you trying to say exactly, baby? Um, anyway, let's get to, so you mad. I love that Carol Vorderman is dragging all of the MPs because the corruption is actually in 4k. Like, let me tell you something, <laughs> me saying it again, but literally let me tell you something. If this was an African country, these motherfuckers would have been all of the way in there about what level of corruption is this? We need to intervene. We need to bring um, order back to whatever, whatever. I don't know why they come with that weird paternalistic vibe, but again, I do know white supremacy. But yeah, um, Carol Vorderman, love, like your, your, your nyash is set good. Your heart is set good. Your courage is set good. Do what you're doing, like roll through, keep dragging them for filth because we must, we must expose the fuckery. We must expose this network that they've had going on for ages where this person that's working at the BBC is giving this money over here to Boris Johnson. Rishi Sunak is being hooked up in this way. Sajid Javid is now saying that we need to go with this, you know, everyone do private, private healthcare. Meanwhile, why are you saying that? Because you've got your brethren that have bought shares in this, shares in that, that you want to make sure that they're up. Like we're really being taken for idiots. And while I'm always like, look, I'm not saying that I'm out here inciting violence, but if somebody got chopped in the throat and their singlet torn in the streets, I would fully understand what, why that happened based on the policies that they're forcing um, upon us. Like I would truly get it. Um, another story that I saw for So You Mad which I thought was interesting. Maya Jammer's ex-fiance, Ben Simmons, is demanding um, an £800,000 engagement ring um, back. He's asking or he's demanding that it be returned. Um, it says here, Maya Jammer has supposedly been sent a legal letter that is forcing her to return her £800,000 engagement ring from ex-fiance Ben Simmons. The Love Island presenter, 28, oh, Saturn return was asked to marry the basketball um, was asked to marry the basketball star 26 last year however the pair went their separate ways over the summer to focus on their individual careers ben popped the question during the christmas period in 2021 following a whirlwind seven month relationship at his 3.7 million pound mansion in new jersey so if the if the mansion was 2 million would that have changed this relationship i don't know i mean cuz i just think it's such a random thing to put in Despite splitting months ago, the athlete has reportedly asked for the expensive bling back in letter in a letter to the host. Um, Maya was allegedly shocked to receive the request as it came with no prior warning that her former lover may have wanted to claim back the jewellery. Given Ben has never, until now, asked for the ring back, you can appreciate the letter came somewhat as a surprise to Maya, a source told The Sun. It's always funny, these sources, knowing exactly what you want to say. Hmm. <laughs> I'll say nothing further. Uh, they continued, Ben was really shocked when she left and didn't give him the ring back. He was madly in love with her and thought it was forever, so was really pissed she didn't give it back. It cost around $1 million and they were engaged less than a year. Um, it was then reported the letter arrived for the broadcaster on Friday afternoon um, by whoever reported it. Their source shared, um, Maya, uh, is it Maya, Maya, whatever you received a request from Ben's representatives on Friday afternoon asking her to return the engagement ring he gave her. Um, yeah, well, you know, okay. The basketball player who plays for the Brooklyn Nets enjoyed a long-distance romance with the UK native as she travelled back and forth to America to spend time with her beau. 
Um, Maya is making arrangements to return the ring to Ben and wishes him all the best. I mean, this is beautiful because I'm like, if I were to have access to the press and I didn't want to tell you about yourself directly, um, maybe I too would be a source and give this information um, because I need to let you know that you you don't you don't feel any shame whatsoever for asking for this back. Okay, fine. So I'm gonna I'm going to have sources tell people that this is what you've done. Now, I don't know anything really about either party. I, I you know, it's not my bag. It's not my scene. Um, I'm not at the parties. I don't know anything about that. But um, what I will say is like, I do feel like if somebody gives you a ring. And then you don't want to be with them anymore. Maybe courtesy would be giving the ring back before they've asked anyway. At least let them be like, no, what do you mean? Keep it. Keep it. I don't want it back. Keep it. You at least want them to have offered rather than you going with the ring. People might feel differently about this because they'll be like, it's a gift. Why am I? So what? Should I start giving back every freaking gift that they gave me? This is slightly different though, because this ring, if we're going on the structure of what a proposal and what a marriage is, this ring was given upon the intention of getting married. So if that's no longer happening and you, the person that received the ring, you know, you're the reason that it's no longer happening because you don't want to do it. Ideally be like, I no longer want to participate in this arrangement. So here is the thing that you gave me for that arrangement. I'm giving it back. Right. If he was the one that just suddenly turned around and was like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Then motherfucker, you're not having the ring back. I don't know. Maybe that's my, that's my opinion, but you might feel differently. You might, you know, say differently. And I'd, again, be open to hearing about it. But um, yeah, it's just very interesting now how people just get on with things and yeah, live your life, like live your life, live your life. Um, so that was my first So You Mad in terms of um, people feeling hard done by. Another person that I guess feels hard done by and should feel hard done by is um, Usain Bolt. He has lost a lot of money, Jesus. Um, it says his sources are certain that um, what confessed stocks and securities swindler Jean and Panton's late father, the noble Reverend Vivian Panton, would have told his daughter um, had he known where she was sourcing the funds she claimed she stole from investors to pay for his cancer treatment, he would have told her maybe, yeah, not to do that. Um, her mother, a retired distinguished educator and beloved first class citizen of her parish, would have concurred. Um, what did they say that they would have told her? Well, she's apparently, Jean Ann Panton is apparently the, or allegedly the woman who stole Usain Bolt's money. Um, this is, I'm reading this from Pure Jamaican Media and it's making me laugh. It says, at this moment, her father must be trying to break loose from the grave to stand by his wife of so many years as she bears the ignominy brought by the revelation of Jean Ann's serial thief personality. <laughs> In these circumstances, one must ask the question, what more could a parent have done? The Pantons were a model family in St. Mary. Uh, the parish held Dr. Panton in the highest regard, particularly when he held the high office of chaplain to Jamaica Constabulary Force. And uh, Mrs. Panton was a model guidance counsellor and language teacher at St. Mary High School, where Jean Ann attended. Um from all indications, they were a humble family who, by rural Jamaica standards, might have just been around the middle income mark. The siblings did not seem to the, the siblings did not seem to be in need um, during high school. They came from a good Christian home, and the influence of their um, antecedents was pervasive, um, or is it antecedents? 
Um, or who knew Jean Anne have been blindsided by the revelation she made in her confessional statement given on January 7th, 2023, regarding the systemic um, theft of clients' monies at SSL. Um, I don't know why this goes on to talking about her being eye candy in school, but um, yeah, I read that Usain had lost um, a lot of money through this kind of fraud um, where they were meant to be investing. Um, Bolt's lawyers have written to SSL demanding the return of 12 million US dollars within 10 days from January 17th. We wish them luck with that. <laughs> Woo! Woo! It says here, um, disgraceful and scandalous as it is, word is emerging that the funds were not insured, so there is no automatic recourse. Yo, like, I don't know what Homegirl was on. But you can't be defrauding people like that because people are stressed right now and they will deal with you. They will deal with you like severely. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel a particular type of way about how athletes are swindled out of their money by like people in this day and age. And you can't be like, oh, they need more financial literacy or they need a financial advisor because it's usually these financial advisors that lead them down this winding path and then they get fucked. So um, I really don't know what to advise, but you're saying I hope that that money makes it back to you as fast as you run because that is actually wild behavior. But I just saw that um, the way that it was described in that um blog and I thought let me read that another so you mad news um they, what's it um I was going to say Naomi Campbell Nia Long was seen on the red carpet recently well it's a grey carpet to be honest um with Amarian he took to the internet to make sure that he posted the video of this sort of like moment on the carpet where Nia holds his hand and I'm like you know what Nia do your thing but like somebody else rightfully said Yaya Abdul-Mateen was right there right there beautiful man but not that Omarion isn't beautiful but I just don't know I'm uh distance between our bunnies Ooh, does he mention something about chicken in that song because that's all I ever hear when I listen to him but then again I have been known to like misquote lyrics so can't go off what I'm saying but you know she's getting that young man energy um it goes back to a thread that I um or was a tweet that I put out the other day when I was like what's the youngest you would date as a woman who dates men and people were writing the wildest things to me. And it was just interesting that people are really out here living their life. So, you know, do you, um, Rishi Sunak has been fined because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt in one of his stupid Dega Dega videos that he likes to make where he's um, cosplaying as a human and not a reptile. And, um, Jacinda Arden, um, who, uh, was doing her bits in New Zealand, running the country, has said that she's resigning because I no longer have enough in the tank. She says this and then pussy clarts from the BBC and other news sources start asking, can women truly have it all? And I just feel like you only ever ask this about women. We never say can men have it all because it's assumed that men can because men men can choose where they actively engage and where they don't. Whereas for women, they're going to have to sort of if they want this career, they're still going to have to juggle other aspects of everything else to be able to do that thing. It's just a weird question. It's just a ridiculous, very fucking stupid question, but whatever. Um, that was, yeah, I think those were the main things. Um, straw of the week, AKA suck your mum. Um, I, from what I've read, the Monterey park shooter, uh, just outside of LA, 
uh, that went and disrupted Lunar New Year celebrations. Fuck you for life. I, I've heard that he's, well, they've taken their own life or he's taken his own life. Um, like really fuck you. And I hope that you're on an elevator directly to hell, you stupid bitch. It's what you deserve. Um, RIP to the people who died in that shooting because the xenophobia, all of these things, um, racism, it like is getting out of hand. And America, again, having its Pluto return, it's going to have to figure out what is going to be done regarding gun laws because this is, this is wild now. This is absolutely wild. As for David Carrick, I mean, I've already cussed him out. The police force continue to do their madness. Um, more people have been exposed now as being part of um, trigger warning, child uh, pedophile rings, all of these things, and nothing has been done. It's almost as if the police force is actually the biggest gang that we have ever, ever known. We're talking about all of these other factors and sets of gangs when the police force is actually the biggest gang, because look at how everybody's operating and keeping hush hush about the most heinous crimes that they are committing. And yeah, to me, it's just a wild state of affairs. Um, do I have a letter? I think that some people submitted some bits for um, straw of the week. And I said that I would read them. Okay. Let's see here. Distance between our bodies. That will always remind me of 2017 when I was in New York and I went to um, a dance class. It was cute. It was cute. Um, let me see what this is. Um, who do I want to read first? Distance between... I need to stop that. Here we go. Let's see. Dear Kalechi, it's... Uh, can I say that? It's Mo's Muffins. Um, AKA the 135 kg deadlifting baby girl, Guan Mai G. I'm sitting here still reeling from your amazing live show last night at Sadler's Wells. It was so magical. That's how long ago this letter is. It was so magical. And the final interaction with your mum on stage was just chef's kiss. Honestly, I can't tell you what it meant to me to witness that exchange between you and your mum. I can't help but feel that we witnessed a little bit of healing on stage. I've also just finished reading the ally chip the exclusive extract from your earnestly awaited new book. Sis, a year away, that's too damn long. And woo, it's just brilliant. Your talents continue to blow the haters away. It's giving Black Mirror for Black people. Ha <laughs> ha. And I cannot wait to read the rest. I have a straw to give for straw of the week. We talk about how white supremacy permeates every single facet of our society and our lives. I want to talk about its insidious role in healthcare, namely diets. See, it feeds in with the interview I did earlier. You see what I'm doing here? You see it? Now, I'm a dietitian in my day job. I remember during my training being force fed that the Mediterranean diet, the white part of it, was the best diet for long life and prevention of early disease because it's what the research shows. But look at where they choose to focus their research and where all that research money is spent quite interesting. And imagine being told that just because of the color of your skin, you're more likely to suffer from diabetes or cancer, as if my skin color is a modifiable factor, and just stopping there, not thinking to explore how white supremacy is literally killing black people. So my straw is for every researcher, doctor, healthcare professional that upholds white supremacist silence, sorry, white supremacist science, 
research and shitty dietary slash lifestyle advice. I want them to suck their mum so hard, nothing remains. Thank you for taking the time to read this. You are the OG baby girl. Thank you for everything that you do, especially when you don't even have to do it. Keep shining. Lots of love, Mo. Thank you, baby girl. Thank you for that letter. I love it. Thank you so much. And I agree with you. They can really just suck out. Um, Okay. And my next letter, these are all letters from a while back. So you might be listening and be like, rah, I sent it. How long ago, Kalechi? But stay with me, stick with me. Gotta stay with me, kid. Anyway, this is the second straw of the week letter. Um, Hi, Kalechi. I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed the show in Manchester tonight. You are even more magnificent magnificent in real life than you are on screen and on the podcast. And I felt privileged to be there. I'm the middle-aged white woman who was sitting in the middle and I brought my 16 year old daughter along so she could experience it too. In the interval, I told Annie about how I felt I needed a straw to suck my dust, um, a straw to suck my dusty mother. And she said I should, Oh, I think you wanted to phrase that differently. And she said, I should definitely volunteer to tell you, tell you about her. But then you ran out of time and I didn't feel it was my place to take up space when everyone was waiting to talk to you at the end. So I will tell you about it here and you are welcome to share the story if you like. Basically, it just proves that you are so right about white people. So here goes. My mum was complaining about her dry skin on her legs. So I said to her that she needs to scrub them better and that she and and she actually said, oh, I don't really like I don't really scrub them. I just leave the soap to run. Distance between our bodies. <laughs> All right, let's go again. Um, oh, I don't really scrub them. I just leave the soap to run down there when I wash the rest of me. At which point I was screaming at her that she's a total white people cliche. But it got worse because then she told me that her legs get so dusty that she actually has to turn her trousers inside out and brush the dust out of them. Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh-ting, Jesus. Jesus of the E45 cream, Lord. Mm. Hey, what? Your mum's legs get so dusty. It sounds like I'm about to insult you, but I'm not. I'm not even doing a your mum joke. I'm just repeating what I'm reading. Your mum's legs get so dusty from dryness that she has to turn her trousers inside out to dust off the crust, the crust from her from her epidermis. You know what? Let's wrap up 2003. We're done. There's nothing else for us to do here. It's fine. This has done it for me. I'm. This is enough for me forever. The, the podcast will now finish right here because what? What? Wow. I was cringing so much. She also doesn't even pull, uh, put salt in her food. So together with the fact that my sister-in-law is a white savior who's been to various African countries on volunteerism trips and doesn't wash my little niece and nephew, um, which is obviously as much on my brother. My family are out here with white people, um, um, are out, my family are out there white peopling to the max. I do confront them about these things, but it's an uphill battle and I'm totally embarrassed by them, but I'm trying to bring my teenage kids up to do better. But basically you're completely right in everything you say. Anyway, 
I admire you so much and really appreciate the time and effort you put into your podcast and all the things that you do with love. Thank you, baby girl. Um, yeah, henceforth, your mum can only get moisturizer for her birthdays. I don't care every for her birthdays, for Christmas, Easter, whatever. Open, get an Easter egg and put the moisturizing cream in the Easter egg. Like fam, you will cream your legs by force because what the fuck? First of all, wash your legs. Why do you lot not want to wash your legs? This is why the world is in the state that it's in because people are refusing to wash the body parts that they need to be washing. There are certain men out there that don't want to wash their yash. They don't want to wash their bum holes because they don't want to, they don't want to touch themselves because that would be gay. And then there are people out there that are now saying that, but you're still eating these guys' bum holes. What are you eating there? If not your own demise and destruction. Hmm? Let us do better in this 2023. Everybody, everybody, please, if you have the means to, please wash yourself. Wash yourself thoroughly. I want you to remember head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes and eyes and ears and legs included. Head, shoulders, like wash everywhere. Wash. And then when you finish washing, grab yourself a moisturizer. That's very, very rich. Grab yourself and really make sure that you've moisturized your body. Life will feel so different when the crust of your skin isn't crackling inside your trousers as you walk about in your day to day. I promise you that. So those are all the straws that I have for you. And this is been an interesting episode because there was actually a six hour gap between six hour or more than six hour gap between when I first started recording and when I came back to finish the recording because this is what life is doing to me you know I'm running up down everywhere upside down supremacy you got me inside out no one day I'll tell a story but I cannot tell that story today I've got to wait for to see where the conclusion of that story is because me I will give testimony I will give testimony that somebody tried to stand in my way, but God said, Kelechi, go through my G. Go through my G, baby girl. But we'll wait for that day. For now, all I'll say is I've been Kelechi Okafor and this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right. Suck your mom. That's it. Remember to get the live show tickets for the New York show. Um, get your dickhead in recovery affirmation cards. They're still hanging about. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, of course, support Jessica Wilson's book. Um, and I guess that's it. I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls. You need to hear this. Hope you sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea. We are gonna sip it. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.